all the stuff. But when you start talking about this, oh my, it's like trying to break into Fort Knox. And uh, it ain't good. It ain't good. But uh, today we want to get into the aspect of developing our ability to give. One of those areas is that we must have a proper approach to giving. And how we approach it is very, you know what I'm talking about, teenagers. Teenagers, they know how to approach their parents. And you look at them and say, what do you want? That kind of deal, you know. Through the years, they have made it and honed it into a science of how to be able to approach. And in our lives, there's an approach to giving that allows us freedom and liberty to be able to do it in a way that gives glory and honor to Jesus Christ. We preached this message this morning. We were setting out in the foyer, and someone was telling me, I'll just say no names, but uh, the offering plate came by last Sunday, and um, the little granddaughter, about three years old, uh, they said put the offering in the plate. And uh, what was really near and dear to her heart in giving, she took her chewing gum out and put it in the plate. (laughs) So uh, little children shall lead them in all ways, follow the example. Because I sat out there and watched her chew two pieces just in 15 minutes. So chewing gum is very important. We have to have a proper approach to our giving. I want us to look here within the Word of God. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. Those verses will come up there also, as far as I know, the four different points of this message that is found within the Word of God will also be demonstrated to you as we go forward. Verse number 5, and I want us to see this. It says, And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord, then to us by the will of the Lord, by the will of God. Who Paul is referring to within that text has to do with the church at Macedonia. There was a church there, the churches there, they were very liberal in their giving. They set such an example of kindness to the Apostle Paul. Before I go further into this so that you understand when I say giving, I am talking about giving to God, giving to our family, giving to the church, and giving to those that are needy. You and I need to understand that God is looking for us to be well-balanced and well-rounded in our giving, and it isn't just, and you're going to hear this throughout the message, it isn't just the dollars and the cents that we put in the offering plate. As I go to verse number 5, Verse number five, as I have read to you, don't give, and this is the first point if you follow along, don't give because men expect you to give. Do not give because men expect you to give. I believe that that is something that is sacred between you and God. The word is very clear as you look there in verse number five. It says this, that they not only... As we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord, then to us by the will of the God. What I'm saying is this. Paul had a certain expectation. Paul expected them to do a certain thing. But they did not go in the direction that Paul was thinking that they were going to go. This is the danger for every one of us when it comes to the area of expectation. When we have expectations of other brothers and sisters within the body of Christ, you may know somebody in the church that could give a whole bunch of money and somebody else that doesn't. So you expect the person with a whole bunch of money to give a whole bunch of money, and they don't. And in all of that, you kind of see them kind of drag their feet. They kind of back up. Well, the thing is, you don't need to get yourself into that place 
to get, you know, I'm going to don't give because men is expecting it. Don't give because somebody came through, an evangelist or a pastor stood up here and preached some kind of wild kind of message. And brother, they're just willing to just go for it. Man, I'm going to give, give, give. You need to ask God to tell you what to give. My dad pastored a church in Romney, West Virginia. He got a shyster coming through as an evangelist. And you heard me right, he's a shyster. And he would, he would get people to come and line up. He'd lay his hand on their forehead and take the palm of his hand and bust them in the forehead. And they thought the power of God hit them. And boy, they just falling out all over the place, busting themselves and hurting. That isn't the worst of it. He said, you give money to me. So he promised them that God was going to bless them in such and such a way. And this is back in the 60s. It's, you know, this has been going on for a long time. In all of that, they went out and made loans from the bank. And then after the man took the money and left town, they're coming to my dad saying, when God's going to bless me? When am I going to get a return on my investment? And dad had to look at him and say, look, that ain't the way it works. And that's why, hear me, church, why it is so important that you get your word from the Lord. Some pastor stands up and says, give me, you know, you need to give a thousand. Did the Lord tell you to give a thousand? That's where it's so important. If God told you to give more than that, then give it. But the point is, you need to understand what God's saying. You need to get the message, not from man, but God. I was driving in 422, closing out my week, and as I went by, the Lord just kind of prompted me with this. There was just one old sign on 422 that wasn't working, one of them digital signs like out in front. It was just as black and no message whatsoever. One of the things that God began to speak to my heart about in in speaking in this regard of getting it from God, because in those signs like the one out here, every one of those little things that you see is an LED light. And it goes by command, whoever's out there putting the command out and putting the messages in. There's a time that if all the lights made up their mind that they were going to shine at the same time, there'd be no message. See, there's a time that God wants you to shine, and there's a time he wants the light to not shine in that regard. I'm not saying he said, let your light shine before men. I'm not talking about our life as a Christian. I'm talking about being able to deliver the message that he has. Whenever the message out there changes, there will be different lights that will be on and different lights that will be off. And if those lights did not respond to the command, there would be no message. You and I are not responsible to hear what men have to say. You need to know what God has to say. He is the one that's putting the message out there. He is putting it out there for people to read and to see and to be known of all men. And I am just saying this to you. God had it right when he called us sheep. Because sheep are the dumbest things you'd ever want to meet. One goes off the cliff, the next one is going to follow. Now the last one that jumps off the cliff, he'll land on a mattress. Because all the others are down. (laughs) That's not a dumb sheep. He's the last one to go. He just kind of lands soft. We shouldn't be that way. We should be able to be led by God. 
you want to give $50,000, just have him sit down and say, look, this is what we want to give. And don't let your right hand know what the left hand gave. Oh, boy. We'll talk about that in a minute. The fact of the matter is give yourself to God first and then surrender yourself and follow the direction he's got you in. That's going to work for you instead of having certain expectations and come back frustrated and totally confused. The Word of God says in verse number 5 that they first gave themselves to the Lord. And God then took them and directed them in the path that they needed to take. Number 2, verse number 6. I read as it says, And we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. Number 2. Accept the fact that most of your giving will be collected by human hands. Hmm. Paul was speaking to the church at Corinth. His plan was that his vessel that he was going to use was going to be Titus to take and receive the offering and take it to the church in Jerusalem. And the thing that I want us to understand, this is the way it goes within the church. And sometimes people in their accepting and having a proper approach to giving, it isn't a matter of the human hands that touch it. Once you give it and it's out of your hands, it's God's money. The church is responsible for what it does with it, and it's no longer for you to all get in a tissy. But we tend to, and this is where I said, we tend to, I told the congregation this morning, I said to them, I said, when I'm up and pre- see, I don't know who pays tithes in this church. I don't know what you give. So I can just lay my ears back and let it happen. Like a hound dog on a rabbit trail, I can just cut loose and go. You're sitting there and you know good and well you've been robbing from God and I don't know a thing. Some of you are smiling, some of you are saying, get on with it. (laughs) The fact of the matter is you've got to accept that human hands is going to touch what you give. And once you release that, it is no longer yours. It is no longer your possession. We are no longer children here. They hand their toy off and you can play with it. And okay, five minutes, it's mine. I want it back. I give and with no strings attached. He said, Titus is going to be the one that's going to take the ball and run with it. Like it or not. I don't know why I'm saying this, but there will be decisions made within the body of Christ. There will be things that happen within the church. And the first thing that you're going to want to do is get a hold of this baby and lock it down. Because it didn't go my way. I told you I wanted to see the smile before it started. I (laughs) accept the fact that most of your giving will be by human hands. And it's human hand. We must accept that. We can't get snagged on that to keep us from being and delivering on what God's called us to do. Thirdly, you still with me? But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Verse number 7, our giving should be equal to all other aspects of our lives. Our giving should be equal to all other aspects of our lives. Because of that, he was not balanced. And I'm not talking about the bubble in the middle here. I'm talking about our spiritual balance that every one of us needs to have structured in our lives. 
You can give until you don't have nothing else and still be an ornery rascal. I'm just telling you the truth. How do you know? Because I lived in it. I seen it in the church. Man rolled up into Appomattox Assembly of God. Brother Kogel was the pastor. Man, he had money. He started throwing his money around. So when the church was going to refurbish and build new, you know, put new pews and, and put new carpet in, he decided that this is the color I want. These are the kind of chairs we should get. And the pastor said, well, you're just one voice. And, and this guy got it hot. What do you mean I'm one voice? You know how much I've been putting in that plate. He said, well, that ain't working here. Man got mad and left the church, took his money with him. But you know one thing, one of the things that you and I have to understand when you say, I see and hear some of that stuff too sometimes, Pastor. You need to understand something and you need to have that etched in you. This isn't any pastor's church. This is God's church. This is God's house. And the church of Jesus Christ will go forward and it will survive. It's not going to be because Daddy Warbucks is in the place. Aren't you glad you came on this snowy day? (laughs) Let's look at this verse. Come on, let's give it some thought. Abound in everything. One of the things is in your faith. How much faith do you have? And I'm not just talking about being able to cast out devils and heal the sick. I'm talking about a faith that remains. A faith that is strong. A faith that is not inconsistent up and down like whatever. If there ever was a time the younger generation needs to see a generation of people that demonstrates a strong faith, it's now. It's got to be. Because what that says to young people, they look at it and say, it works for them. Their faith is carrying them through. They're a survivor because of their faith. He also goes on to say there, not only in your faith, but in your speech. I don't know about you. Terry Ann could bear witness to this. It's my mouth that gets me in the most trouble. (laughs) The rest of it just kind of comes along. It's the mouth. And, you know, you can't. I had one preacher. His name was Jimmy Blair. He tried out for Lynchburg Church where I pastored. Now, you can lose your false teeth and get them back. He was preaching up there for everything he's worth, and he's a fireball preacher. And he had his dentures in, and them things, they flew out of his mouth. He grabbed them, (laughs) put them back in, and kept on preaching. You can get your dentures back, but you can't get your words back. It's an astounding thing when you hear young people in singles talk about how much the influence is of the things that parents have said to their kids in the house. You ain't going to amount to nothing. You're an old slut. You know, all that stuff wouldn't be said in homes. You don't know the half of it. I don't even know the half of it. But then we ask ourselves, why does this child have its problems? Because they've been told that that's what they are. Speech. You can give all your money, you can act, but the fact of the matter is your mouth will deceive you and all of a sudden it'll mess up. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Give me five minutes talking to you, sir, and I can tell you exactly where your heart's at. I'm no prophet. I have no word of knowledge working. It's just what is at the very forefront of your whole process? What is it that if you stand or... I'll say it. 
you get around somebody and you're going to talk about the Lord and they switch it to hunting, fishing, baseball, football in a quick fashion. That's not a subject that they have any, as my dad used to say, and I told the congregation this first, you know, my dad used to say, son, tell me what you know. It'll only take a minute. And in some of these people are minute men. One minute is all they've got to speak about. And we're going to talk about knowledge next. Uh, you thought it would go away, didn't you? I'm sorry. But it's out of our mouth. As long as you keep your mouth shut, people think you're the smartest person in the world. You can get by with it. Just, mm-hmm, ah. Mm. But it's when you open your mouth and begin to talk, it just kind of, well, I'm sorry, but it just kind of gives off a personification that the elevator isn't always working. Particularly in spiritual things. We live next door to the family in Hagerstown, Maryland, and the book The Rapture had just come out. My dad read it. He took it next door. Jim, he read the thing. His wife said, I ain't touching that book. I ain't going to read it. Dad said, well, why? She said, the more I know, the more I'm responsible for. So I don't want to know nothing. Let me just say this to you, church. Don't be offended, but ignorance is not bliss in the house of God. He says in knowledge, our knowledge, what is it that we know? If you know more about baseball, football, hunting, and fishing, I'm just picking on the men now mostly. There are some women that, well, men too, I guess, but their favorite recipes and all of this stuff, they'd rather talk about that. But the fact is, how much time could you fill in the knowledge that you have of the things of God? I'm going to be straight up with you. We got Bible school right up the road here, Valley Forge, and Bible school where I went to there in Rhode Island. But, you know, there's schools that train you and develop you and to be able to know the things. Let's be very candid about this. You probably had in your family somebody that had maybe a third or sixth grade education back years ago. My dad never, he turned out to be a preacher, but he, I think he went a sixth grade. I mean, he didn't. But what was amazing to me? is that this book, those old-timers with a sixth-grade education could astound some of the guys with the PhDs. See, this book is learnable because the author hasn't died. And so if you have any questions of what the letter of intent was, just talk to the author. He'll explain it to you. Why? Because that Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. There's no reason for ignorance in the house of God. Well, I don't understand the King James. Then get a living Bible. Then get the message Bible. There's Bibles out there. But the fact of the matter is this book is learnable. Isa and its bunch there in the Middle East. I would be surprised, I'll say it like that, if they don't know that Koran almost inside out. And you ask some Christians... Well, what's your favorite scripture? I'll get back to you. Or John 3, 16, that'll be it. You say, Pastor, you're talking down to me. You're being crude. No, I'm not. I'm telling you this. Somebody just cornered me out here in the foyer talking about eternal security. And the thing is, you have to have a knowledge. I mean that. You've got to be knowledgeable of this is what I believe. This is what I stand for. This is what makes me tick. And this is what I'm holding to. 
If not, I'm telling you, as we get closer, and I know we're moving closer to the coming of Jesus Christ, and one of the things that we are seeing like we've never seen before is a spirit of deception, a spirit of antichrist. What is antichrist? It is everything that's anti-God wrapped up in a package that would make you buy it out and say it's for me, and it's not. It's not. You need knowledge. Not to impress the person beside you, but you need knowledge to be able to survive. And if you don't have it, you're a dead duck. I'll just say this. Spirit of Antichrist, when he comes, Antichrist comes on the scene. This is for another time. But he'll call fire down from heaven. There will be healings. There will be miracles. And many will be deceived. And I find nowhere within this word, church, that the Antichrist is going to be revealed after we're raptured. I don't find that there. I do believe in pre-tribulation. But Antichrist, when he comes, many and, and because of no knowledge within the church, dumb as a duck, the Antichrist will come along and they'll say, man, that's the greatest evangelist I ever heard. The Word of God goes on to say this. In verse number 7, it says, In all diligence, in your love for us. Verse number 8. And I speak not a commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Our giving is the bottom line of our profession of Jesus Christ. Isaac led us in that song. All to him I owe. Sin has left. It's gone. But it's because I owe him. I'll never be able to pay him back. All to him I owe. Giving is just the bottom line of our profession. It says there within that the sincerity of your love. You say you love Jesus? The sincerity of that is demonstrated as you begin to be willing to give out of yourself. One of the things that troubled me as a pastor, you know, I'm going to say this, is that people do window shopping. They come in the church, and it always blows my mind. But people roll into the church, and they'll say, Pastor, what is it that your church can offer me and my family? First, what are you going to do for my kids? You got children's church? You got youth? Do you do 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 do? Yeah, I do all. Okay. Then the second thing is, what kind of word do you preach? Holy Bible. Okay. (laughs) And the other thing is, well, what kind of worship do you have? And you know what I'm talking Do you have the contemporary or do you have the traditional? Uh, you know, I'm looking at whatever they're looking for. You know, I'm getting to something here. I'm getting something. The bottom line, the sincerity of their love. But I've never had anybody come into the church and look me in the eyeball and say to me, Pastor, what can we do for your church? These are our abilities. These are our gifts and our talents. My family wants to get behind this ministry, but they never offer that back. They never say, okay, pastor, this is what it works. Can we please? That's a strange word in the church, isn't it? No, it's the pastor. Will you please take that class? Serious. Oh, do you love Jesus? Absolutely, I love Jesus. Don't you ever question that. I'm not. I'm just questioning how you love him. Don't give because men expect you to. Except the fact that most of your giving will be collected by human hands. Our giving should be equal to all other aspects of our lives. 
you can come off that money. But sometimes it's those hidden sins that we don't want to let go of. The last one, our giving is the bottom line of our profession of faith for Jesus Christ. It's a sincerity. How sincere am I? We was here Wednesday night and Terry Ann was teaching on having boundaries. A good study. I wish I'd have had that about 20 years ago. I'd probably be a different man. But I listened to the Christian broadcast. Uh, I listened to that in the morning as I'm getting ready to hear the weather, hear the news. And anyway, in the news, there was a guy that uh, and his wife somewhere in the Midwest that um, had a bakery. Two people that were the same sex came in and said, we want you to bake us a cake. This cut against their belief, their knowledge system. And they refused them. They have lost their business, and they're going to be probably fined about $100,000 for not making that couple a cake. And they paid the price. I brought up the fact, and I mentioned that Wednesday night, and it's so, to me, it was very intense upon me because I realized it made me think. I, it made, you don't have to think, but it made me think if these people were willing to step up to that position. And then all of a sudden, it pushed me on. If I'm not willing, and she was talking about boundaries, if I'm not willing to set the boundary and say, you cannot cross this line, this is what I believe, this is what I stand for, am I willing to be like some of those in the Middle East that's getting their heads cut off simply and being crucified on a cross for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Church, we have got to be sincere about our faith. We've got to be determined that none of these things is going to move me, but I will follow him to the death. I'm willing, God, to die for you if that's what it takes. And I can't answer that for only me. Nobody else. But God, help me to live out my life in such a way that I'm willing to die for you. What are you willing to give? Oh, wouldn't just putting $10 in the plate be nice? Oh, boy, I got that off my shoulders. No, 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 no. It isn't like paying the internal revenue once every year. Your giving is something that is operational in every part of your life. We need to be able to step into that place and say, God, I'll give whatever it is that you want me to give. Sometimes people are looking not so much for money handout, but they're looking for somebody to care. And you possess that ability to be able to touch a life for Christ. When I was in Bible school, there was a guy in the church. I never met him, but they said that his whole mission and goal was to take one man and mentor him for one year. And that man, by the time that year was over, was made into something that could stand in his walk. And he'd go and pick up another one and mentor him for a year. Can you imagine the effect of it? But giving of ourselves. Not what is it that I can get? What are you going to offer? What does Lighthouse have to offer me? I'm telling you what I know as a pastor. What, you know, you, and I just put Lighthouse's name in. What does Lighthouse have to offer me? I'm saying to every one of us as a congregation, what is it that I can offer to this church? No matter how insignificant it may seem to you, it can be the catalyst to touching something else that will make the gospel of Jesus Christ go forward. We're always looking for somebody else to step up and do somebody else's work.
And God is wanting to raise up men and women. And you know what? Now, let's take it back to the pastor. Why do I preach the way I preach when I get the chance to preach this kind of message? I don't want one of you to have the ability because I do believe that the church is going to witness the white throne judgment. We're going to see them. And I believe that there will not be one. I don't want it to be said, Pastor, why didn't you warn me? Why didn't you tell me? This is the score. This is how it is. I preach this gospel unashamedly that no one will be able to look at me and say I wasn't told. But when I look, be able to look God in the eye and God, this is it. There'll be no excuse. There won't be a pointing of a finger because, as that woman said, my next door neighbor, the more I know, the more I'm responsible for. When you walk out of here today, you're responsible for what you've been just given. Every Sunday this pastor preaches this message to your heart. Whatever he has delivered into your heart, you walk out of this place, you're responsible for it. You can say, oh, that wasn't, you know, and you know, it's so amazing. Not up here in Lancaster. She said, I'm saying it wrong. It doesn't happen. Do you ever sit in church and say, boy, I wish so-and-so was here. They need this message. Let me say this. You need it too. You need it too. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be found in your house. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Your Spirit is in this place. And I'm asking you, Heavenly Father, that you will stir us again. Like Paul told Timothy, he said, stir up the gifts, that gift that is in you, Timothy. I pray, God, that you would stir us again. Enable us, O oh God, that we may be able to take and go and instead of being in the background, help us to get on the front lines and fight this gospel to the very end for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. God, if there would be the, anyone that's in this place today that struggles in this area of giving, God, it isn't, like I said in this message, it isn't what man has to say. Would you speak to them through what has been said and elaborate on it, God, so that they will come to the knowledge and to be able to accept everything that you have to give. And, Lord, I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. God bless you.